0: abide with me abide with me don't let me fall and don't Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. Uh, today's uh Broadcast is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we uh, here in Northwest Arkansas, we we know one of the most important things we can do as far as developing this ministry and advancing this ministry is investing in our guides. And so, occasion we do some guide lunches. And uh, a few weeks ago, Rocky uh, spoke at one of these guide lunches. We actually called it Lunch with Rocky, but uh, he talked about uh, the DNA of of not only the DNA of the journey, but the DNA of making disciples in general. And I and we. We wanted to bless you all with with that, and let you you couldn't be here in Northwest Arkansas, but you can be with us on this podcast and uh, and share lunch with Rocky today. So, hope you'll enjoy uh, today's uh, podcast, which is Rocky addressing some guides, and I'm calling this one um, the DNA of making disciples. Listen and enjoy.
1: So, guys, I want to I want to do something that I think is is always monumentally important, and I know you guys agree with this, and that is. I want to pray, and I want to invite the King, uh, the Holy Spirit, to come and, and make Himself known. Uh, and He makes Himself known many ways, not only uh, by the way He speaks through a person, but also by the way people hear. And so I'm praying that speaking and hearing will be what's going on here now. So, Father, I want to uh, say first thank you for these men. Uh, they're here because lord you have invited them Uh, they're connected to you they understand something about you that is wanting them to be able to help other people and that is to enter into that intimate abiding relationship with you lord that has changed all of our lives i think most of us would say that that as christians we've known of you for most of our life but to really know you has been when we began to go to the depth of what you've invited us to and that is that closer proximity to you. And it's beyond anything I think that we can even imagine or conceive of. We just take the journey and as it unfolds before us, Lord, we see more and more and, and it reveals more. And it's interesting what it reveals. It reveals more about you but it also reveals more about ourselves. And reveals more about others. And reveals more about the world and the value systems of the world. Lord, we look at it through what is called a biblical lens, but I really think it's looking at it through a relational lens. That's where it all makes sense, Lord, that we have been invited to come near to you as sons. So we gather as sons and brothers. And Lord, guide us now. And lead us and let this be a time of joyful interaction to understand what we've been invited to and how to go and make disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I, I think we struggle with titles and, uh, and and that's okay because I don't think we really put much uh, credibility on titles. Sometimes we have to identify it because of IRS purposes and we're being a non-profit we have to, to do that and we have very few employees, as you guys know. The majority of this ministry, the, the heart of this ministry are, are, is a voluntary army. It's uh, look around and you see it. There's only two guys in here that are on staff with influencers. Uh, we have just a few people that are on staff with influencers and we serve you people, uh, all of our boards. Our, our global board, our regional boards, and we have regional boards at every regional center that we have. And, uh, and so the, the bottom line is that we just don't see ourselves as entitled. Uh, I recently had, uh, had to give uh, what, what my employment status was with influencers, and I was asked to say, what is my title? And i struggled with that for 17 years because I'm a businessman. I didn't come through the normal ways of processing through professional ministry. Uh, I'm a student of the Bible. I think y'all know that. I love the Word of God. <clears throat> Everything we do with the journey operates within the boundaries of theology. We do not get into philosophy. If we did that, we it could be expanded to everybody's philosophy. But we invite people to be critical and say, okay, what does this mean? And so we journey together through Scripture. Everything was within the boundaries of theology. And so what we're trying to do is to understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And we're trying to understand what it means to make a disciple of Christ. Because guys, I'll be honest with you, I really do believe in this day and time, especially in this country, that we have a lot of people that are saying they have a discipleship program. But I don't see it producing what Jesus would define as a disciple. Because just because you check off a, a group that you've gone through or another study you've gone through or even a class that you've gone through that says that you are going through discipleship If it doesn't produce that type of disciple based on the definition of Jesus, is it really a discipleship Is it really real? Now, let's talk about that because what is a disciple based on what Jesus said? Any way I look at it, he says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Come and follow me. There could be no double-mindedness and no double-heartedness. It had to be Jesus, number one. And I think we water it down nowadays. And I think as a result, we have something that's somewhat of a mixed uh, interpretation of it. And what I have discovered over the many years that I've been trying to understand that, and that is it's not about knowledge. Now, we can't be a disciple unless we go through knowledge. Theology is what gets us there, but we can't park out and say it's about what we know. It's about who we know and what that means to us. I was reading this scripture this morning, and it was profound to me because it just continues to reinforce what we're trying to say about how you make a disciple. And how you are a disciple. It's not because of your title, not because of your knowledge, it's something else. And here's what it says, and I'm reading in 1st Corinthians 2, starting with chapter 2 verse 1, and when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, So the power of God is what we're trying to get to. And one of the issues that we see is that there are many people, in churches even, that are holding on to a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. And the power of God comes through the relationship. This is where we are empowered. And this is why I want to put that in your thinking right now as guides. And that is, is that as a guide, to be an effective guide, it's not about being a gifted teacher. It's not about being a gifted theolog- theologian. It's not about being gifted in, in talents and abilities. It's about being faithful to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and help let Him help you lead other people to that proximity with you. Our greatest resource is our dependency on God. And we've got to always remember that it's that dependency on Him that's going to transfer to other people because it's His power. Him. Not about us. And that's why I'm saying this because a lot of times, men, through the years we've seen people who think that when they want to lead, a journey group that they've got to be some kind of superstar. And that's not the case. It's to be faithful. It's not to be a teacher, it's to be a facilitator. And as you know, many of you have already gone through the journey and have led several, and you understand that the objective of the journey is vertical, it's vertically oriented. It's about that proximity. Now we have to contrast that with what is the difference between a horizontally driven and a vertically driven. And we have to look at men's ministries especially that most men's ministries, a lot of them, if not most, are about building relationships horizontally, holding each up people accountable horizontally, sharing our wounds horizontally, asking for accountability horizontally, having to be encouraged horizontally. But I have found a lot of those groups fail in helping people to maintain a steady walk with Christ because it becomes codependent on other people. And so the objective of the journey is to create vertical orientation because we want accountability to be there. We want it to be that that person learns to walk and talk and listen and have a love connection and that love connection is the thing that begins to work its way outward horizontally. The horizontal dimension is a fruit of the vertical. Contrary to other thinking that the horizontal dimension is a fruit, will lead a fruit to the vertical. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't get that way. And so we are being very, very centered on vertically orientated. So when we come together as a journey group, that is our mission. Our mission is to get them in proximity to Christ. Now, how do we do it? Well, contrary to a lot of discipleship programs that I've been through in the past, there was a high degree of accountability that pretty well required people to do certain things. The disciplines. And while the disciplines are good, uh, most of the time uh, you either have to push them hard or they won't do it is what a lot of people think. But I have discovered that if we're going to do this right, then it's going to have to be grace driven. So it's vertically oriented and it's grace driven. Now what does that mean? How does that work as far as the journey group is concerned as a guide? What we do as guides is we enter into where a man is at, in his spiritual journey. And you, when you start journey groups, you're going to have somebody that's starting right here. They don't know much at all. They Some of them don't even know Christ. And we have found the journey to the inner chambers to be a pretty good gospel uh, orientation because it takes them through an introduction to... The, re, the refugee camp, which is the condition of the world, and then the must-receive Christ through uh, the bridge. And that illustration right there checks a person out and says and we're able to see, he's able to see if he really has made that authentic commitment to trust Christ with his life. So we, we find several people have come to know Christ as they've entered into the journey. And so our mission is to walk them through maturity, to get them into maturity. And what is maturity? Is it knowledge or is it relationship? Now it's going to be relationship, but you've got to use knowledge and theology to get there. So the way we unpack it is, is to help them understand certain key aspects that they need to know about God. Now, if you're trying to introduce an intimate God, there are certain things you've got to introduce about an intimate God. Like, first of all, he knows you. He knows everything about you, right? That's the first thing that we need to understand about God. We don't hide out from him. We don't hide things from him. He even sees in the darkness. Darkness is as light to him. In Psalms 139 it says... But what's the good thing about that is sometimes we think that we are surrounded by darkness, and, and that's a comfort to us because it says, no, he knows. He knows what's going on. And the next thing about him is he cares about what he knows about. He's a caring God. And then he's willing to be involved with that which he knows and he's caring about, and he's able to be able to do something. Now, when we're talking to new people, who have just come to know the Lord or maybe are getting to know Him for the first time, those things are critical foundations. And we want to build that foundation. We want them to understand that. That's why the first segment is so important. Now, the other thing, guys, is that we're wanting to help them create conversation with God. And we use journaling as a way to do that. And, you know, a lot of guys don't like journaling. You guys, did you find it come easier for you? Probably not. But you've also discovered as you have done it, now you cannot leave it out of your life. It becomes a part of your life. And so when we first started this, I had a guy who was a Walmart executive, big Walmart executive, retired, real smart fella. But he told me, "So I'm really having a hard time getting into the Word of God. And he says, I want to journal in it, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do or whatever. Can you help me? I said, yeah, let's do something. So I created this little acronym, S-T-A-R, Scripture Read, Thought Conveyed, Application Made, Reply or Response. I said, now what you do is you just take your scripture and you journal through it with that way. And all of a sudden he came back to me and said, that's all I needed. That got me going. That just jumped me off. And then he began to be a journaler that went way beyond that. That was a good foundation. And so we want to really hammer home that early on, guys. And that's why in the first session of the journey, we have have exercises using STAR. Because it's going to be a critical part, underscore, critical part of their development. Is it the only way? No. But it's what we've discovered is the best way to help them over a nine-month period to learn how to converse with God. It's another form of prayer. They read the Scripture, God speaks to them. They listen by making application, and then they reply, and that's their conversation back to Him. And then, as this starts going, then they begin to have lengthy conversations. And when that happens, it's almost like game over. Man, now he's got them. About discipleship, years ago I thought I was a disciple maker. And when we got this ministry going, we thought, well, it's a discipleship ministry. I tell you, I'll be honest with you. I don't make disciples, and I'm not so sure we make disciples. I believe that we get things out of the way and get them in proximity where the Holy Spirit will make a disciple. We do a process. Our process is to help them identify things that hinder them. We help them create some good habits. We help them create some good motivation. We help them create some encouragement from the other guys. But make no mistake about it, men do not change men. We can't change people, and we don't. But what we can do is we can help them walk into close proximity with him as we go ourselves. That's a critical component. Now, one of the things, Tim, that you asked me to do was talk about the heart. So when in order to talk about the heart, I need to talk about the DNA. And what is the DNA of the, of the journey? Well, I can say the DNA of influencers is the same as the journey. I can say the DNA of everything we're doing is about this dependence on Christ. It's about our vertical orientation. It's about understanding how important it is for us to be so healthy and to make sure that we don't have any interruptions in our walk with Him. And so what we're trying to do is help people get to that point. Now there are ways that we do it. I told you about the vertical orientation. I told you about the grace the grace rhythm, but I also want to talk to you a little bit about the why factor. And maybe you can answer this, because some of you were not in the last group that we did this, and, and, and I think there were various reasons uh, that needed to be discussed, and that is, why are you leading journey groups? What we do is not as significant as why. How we do it is not as significant as why. But why do we do journey groups? You've done nine or 10. You've done nine or 10. Each, many of you have done multiple. Some of you are just now starting. So let's get some volunteers on that. Why do you do journal, journey groups, David? I,
2: God has used it in a way in my life that nothing else has ever been used in my life, and I want to share the gospel with my neighbor. Okay. And and this is I, I look back at my testimony. I see that that's His testimony. And I'm going to share that with everyone I come in contact with.
1: How many of you could say that? Uh, when you went through the journey as a participant, you got one set of understanding, that, but when you led a journey group, you were taken to a new set of understanding. How many of you would say that that is true? All of you. Anybody want to say why you think that's true? Anybody?
2: I get closer. Sir? I keep getting closer.
1: You get keep getting closer, right. And a journey into proximity with Christ is never an arrival. <coughs> It's always a destination, but he walks with us, and he's taking us deeper, and we're learning more. And I will, and I will tell you the truth. You know, I've been at this particular thing now almost 20 years, and I'm 73. And at 73, I am much more closer than I was at 53. And I think all of you would say. That. Ryan, what, what's your thoughts on that? Why, why do you, you lead so many groups, and you go back to when? When did you first start? Oh, 06. Oh, 06, okay. Why do you lead so many groups? I love it. I love doing it. First of all, I love helping people, and I, I feel
2: like you found something that, that benefits me so greatly, and it works, and I know, and I, I just, I think it's that offering your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah. It's like a sacred responsibility to share with you you've been given the gifts you've been given to other people right. and I love watching them get hooked up with the king and see their transformation and it just you know I would never want to not be part of that I, want to, I never want to miss out on that.
1: there's an affirming going on and I, I do believe that we feel the delight of the Lord I believe we can grieve the spirit and we can feel the grief of the spirit I believe we can quench the spirit and we can see the results quench of quenching the spirit But I do believe we can feel the joy of the Spirit. And I believe that when we are doing the things that He asks us to do, then we feel His joy. Years ago, I had a man who was kind of wanting to, he was kind of wanting to get into influencers, actually, as a staff person. And um, he was in a ministry, not a church ministry. He was in another type of ministry. And he, he made the comment, he says, I'm so frustrated what I've been doing for years and I just want to be a part of something that's anointed by, by the Lord. And, and I told him this and I, and I tell it to everybody, I'm telling this to you now, and that is if you want to walk and live in, in an anointing of the Lord, if you want your ministry to be anointed by the Lord it's quite simple all you have to do is do the things he says he wants you to do when he says go out and make the cycles then you're doing what he wants you to do yeah so you know doing the Great Commission uh, in feeding his delight is because it's, it's something he said for us to do but the way we do it, you know, that's one of the things that I think that we've struggled with in the, in the church for the last couple thousand years is trying to figure out, okay, he said do it now. How do we do it? And what do we do? But then to do that, we've got to go back to the, to the why question. Why do we do that? Because I do believe that that's where it's got to start. I think the Great Commission has to begin in our hearts. I believe it, it it we become so great grateful for. So thankful for that we enter into a thankful spirit and that thankful spirit connects. It's just a it's a a connection and it creates a love connection. And I think that love connection has got to get out. It's gotta get out and that's why we see so, so much life transformation and we've got tens of thousands of people now over the last few years that have gone through the journey and it's it's growing exponentially all over the, the country in different countries and one of the things is evidence is we're seeing transformation we're seeing transformed lives we're seeing to transform marriages we're seeing transform businesses <laughs> business owners. cultures are changing in their businesses. We're seeing transformed churches because they're getting back to something that has been forgotten. and that is the way we make disciples has to start with why we make disciples and we help them discover that same relationship that we have that gets us up and gets us out. Discipleship making is about getting them in proximity of Christ. That's why I say we don't make disciples. What we do is try to get them there. That's DNA. Now the way we form up as far as groups are concerned, guys, you know, some people ask me, Well, what's the magic number? You hear that all the time, don't you? And we used to think maybe ten or twelve is the magic number, but we see them in, in California they got forty and fifty. They have to, they started 450 people last week in journey groups in Bakersfield, California. That includes uh, women and also couples too. So they have a, a large contingency and we've said all along it's, it's the form and function is that it is form is negotiable, it's always negotiable, but function is non-negotiable. And so when you do it, whether it's every two weeks or every week, if you do it in the morning, if you do it at night, noon, uh, how many of you people you have, I mean, that's not big to us. That's not important to us. That's just form. And you'll discover whether or not form works for you or not. But if you'll keep DNA, if you'll keep heart, then I believe that no matter what your form is going to work because it's about this orientation, this way. I say this to ministries all the time, not just many parachurch ministries uh, that have different uh, persuasions about how they want to reach people. So everything from motorcycle driving to fishing together and golfing together and hunting together and all that in the name of Jesus. And I don't care. That's fine. However they gather men, that's okay. But But what is very important for them is their orientation. And I tell them all the time that, look, if you'll make what you do about moving those people into close proximity with Christ, then what you do will make a disciple. So form is not as important as, as our mission, and that is the proximity factor. But we do have a model. And we have found that this model works. One of the models we've found is that we We think men do good together, women do good together, and couples do good together. But it's hard for men and women, singles, to do good journey groups together. There's not enough ability to be transparent. Now, will it uh, possibly work? Yeah, good. And as we see marketplace ministries developing more and more, and where employers want to have something in their conference room, and they invite the women in the men, yeah. As long as you're vertically oriented. If it's not about this, then yeah, it works. Now, some people say, Well, the reason I want to be in a small group is I want to get to know people, I want to have friendships, I want to have relationships. And you say and they ask, Well, what about you? If you're so vertically oriented, how are we ever gonna build relationships? Well, here's the fruit factor. And I want you to consider a uh, a marriage triangle. Have y'all heard that before? You know what the marriage triangle is? So for those of you who haven't, I'll say, here's God, here's husband, here's wife. When they're fathers from God, they're fathers from each other. As they meet, meet, start moving toward God, then their, their distance reduces and of course the marriage, the, the Christ-centered marriage, is Christ here and the husband and wife around him and he's at the center of it. Now you can use that same deal with a small group and let's say you have 10 people in that group and as long as they're driven this way there's always going to be walls there's always going to be differences it could be racial it could be cultural it could be Ole Miss and Mississippi State and they don't get along It could be a lot of different things here that we'll always see as differences and hindrances in our relationship. But when that same ten group of ten people in that group begin going this way, then they start tightening up. And then that's why we see journey groups producing covenant relationships at the end of it, rather than simply friendships. Now One of the big DNA factors of a journey is the importance of prayer. As guides, you have got to join with the Holy Spirit in prayer. Pray for those guides. Uh, You're depending on Him. You're depending on Him to give you a sensitivity uh, and to give them a sensitivity. And never neglect the prayer. And the final thing I would say is never neglect your own journey. And these guys who've gone through, I think Mark Sewell's had his 15th or 16th one. And so we've got these guys that have gone through many times. And they will tell you how important it is for every time that they go, take somebody, that they go through it again. And I ask them, well, why don't you get bored? They said, no, because it's always a living word. I'm just in the word all the time. And it's living. And I've got new experiences coming to my life. I've got a new set of eyes and I see things differently. Every year, they gain ground in understanding what Scripture is saying to them. Go on the journey. Take your guys with you. All you're doing is in, you're reaching out to the Lord this way, and you're reaching to them this way, and you're saying, Come on, boys, let's go to It's simple. You're not a teacher. You're a facilitator. You're a guide. You're dependent. You're served. You're pointing your eyes to Him, you're moving vertical. And the result of that will be life transformation. That's the foundation. Do any of you guys have any questions that you'd like for me to answer about that? I like to ask
2: a question. Okay. Well, I know you mentioned that uh, it's grace driven. Yeah. Maybe you might explain what grace driven is.
1: Well, uh, Tom, I have to compare it to what I, I, I did when I was in my 30s and 40s, and I was involved with a discipleship ministry that had been founded by military in military uh, people, and they, a guy in the Navy, and they you know, operated heavily on uh, bases, and then they, they got out into other segments such as universities, and they were heavy, heavy on disciplines. And the disciplines meant that you had verse memorization, about, I had about 50 verses I had to memorize. I bet y'all know who I am talking about, don't you, Mark? <laughs> had verse memorization, you had to have daily quiet times, and you had to have them 14 in a row, and if you didn't, if you didn't have 14 in the row, you didn't get signed off, and you didn't graduate from your course, and it was a two-year course. You had the basic assurances. Now, if I would tell you that every one of the disciplines were good, I I would be telling the truth. All the disciplines were good, but it created a Christian Pharisee. It created a legalist out of me. Because although I was doing the things that it said do, there was not something going on here. So Tom... I did that for years, and I took a lot of people through those groups. And as I did that, I began to look at their life, and I didn't see sustainable life change. I saw as long as we were accountable to each other that I, they would toe the rope, you know? But when they got away from it, they kind of went back, and I started inquiring about, to the Lord about that. What's going on? In his own way, he spoke to me and said, here's what he said. He says, you were trying to change yourself and change them outside in. He said, if that would work, the Pharisees would have gotten that. You can't change a person outside in. He said, but you can change them inside out, but you've got to get their heart connected to my heart. You've got to introduce them to my grace and let them learn to walk in my grace. And so I had to put it at risk, huh? And so when we began the journey for the first time, I felt the Lord was saying, I don't want you to take that disciplined approach that you used before. That's not, I want you to help win them through seeing me through a love connection. I want you to concentrate on their heart and not their disciplines. Because if I get their hearts, the disciplines will follow. And that's what I mean by grace grip. These guys don't inspect their
2: homework.
1: No, we don't. But we know if they're not if they're not keeping up. And I and I will be honest with you. I have asked some people to, you know, reconsider being in the group because I think that they're not really connected. And, you know, what I do, and I've, I've increased this, by the way. You might want to think this over, too. You know, think about this, guys. As a, as a journey guide, I'm going to commit to meeting with a man for nine months. And I'm going to order my calendar and, and everything I do around being at those groups. So I plan my vacations or I plan my trips. I plan everything about them. Nine-month commitment to serve them. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be praying for them. I'm going to be serving them. I'm going to be mentoring them. And the only thing I'm going to ask of them is to meet me halfway. I'm going to ask them to invest the same amount of time and effort in themselves as I'm going to invest in them. And I ask them hard. I sell hard at uh, that uh, check out if you can't do it. Come back later if you can't do it. I'm okay if you're not ready to go now. You'll be welcome back later. But if you're going to meet and you're going to go, I want to commit, but i because I'm going to commit to you. And I have found that Christian men nowadays are under challenge. There's something about what about turning this thing off that we need to remember, right? Christian men are typically under challenged, under equipped, and under utilized. And I don't think it, I think uh, I think men need to be challenged. I really do. I think that I think they step up when they challenge. And I think that when we when we when we show them that we're willing to get in there with them, I mean we're really willing to get in the game with them. We're not lording it over them. We're we're standing beside them. We're walking them through this. That when they see that, then then they step up. So don't be afraid to challenge. And sometimes you have to challenge them along the way. Now, grace is not without discipline, by the way. Right, Brian? We talk about that all the time. Just because you have to sit down and have a serious conversation with a guy doesn't mean that you're any less grace-driven. I'm trying to help them learn how to walk in that grace. You know, Rodney, I, uh, I made mistakes in my life. I always had
2: to pay grace for my mistake. God forgave me my mistakes, but He did He allowed me to go ahead and pay the price. That's grace, it's just, yeah. if we all think about it, we've all had the same thing.
1: So, you know, uh, there's consequence, and that's what you're talking about. And uh, But thank God we don't have to pay for all those things there are a lot of things, even though we pay for consequences on a lot of things, there are a lot that we haven't. But the issue is basically is we want them to get into a love connection with Christ. That's That's what's missing on most of them out there. They don't understand that He is a loving, caring God. And when we begin to help them understand about His nurturing nature, about what is waiting for them in this intimacy with Him, then they then they jump in. And that's when we begin to get into the second segment called Enabled. We start discussing things that they've never discussed before, like the Holy Spirit, uh, who He is, how He feels us. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's not some good sound theology on that. and we, We're not going to avoid it. We're going to look at it. We're going to show show them the theology on it. Uh, we're going to discuss the necessi- necessity of abiding in Christ and how that will develop the fruit of the Spirit in their life and how the fruit of the Spirit will enable and trigger the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are their unique thing that God's put in them to be able to help them enter into making the disciples to join in building the church. And then the third segment is live it out. And that's the stewardship of the grace that's been given to us. I read last couple of weeks ago that Paul was writing, he says that concerning the stewardship of grace that was given to him for them. Isn't that a beautiful statement? The stewardship of grace that was given to him for them. And that's the same way it is with us guys. We have a stewardship of the grace that's been given to us for other people. And that's why we make disciples. There will be great fruit that comes out of it. Pat, I'm so good, good to see you and Mark here as pastors. And one of the things thats that we've seen out of so many churches that have Taking the course of trying to get their people to intimacy with Christ is it creates good stewards. And we're not just talking about the stewards of supporting the church, but we're also talking about the stewards of the stewardship of their spiritual gifts. The stewardship of being a part of the ministry of the church. To help that church be empowered to to do the things that it's called to do and live its purpose. And we're very, very committed to our churches. And our pastors of those churches to do everything we can to help them do their job. I've got a son who's a pastor. I've got a son-in-law who's a pastor. And I have a son-in-law who left being a pastor. And so I know what it's like. So uh, almost like telling you, grab a pastor and kiss him. (laughs) Tell him you love him.
0: You've been listening to a broadcast of the Influencers Network podcast. Hope you enjoyed it today. You can find out more information about our ministry at www.influencers.org. Send us an email or send us a message, and we'd love to get you plugged into a journey group. And there's lots of resources on the website we hope you can find, uh, which will help you on your journey and as you go and and, uh, continue making disciples. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.